My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. Today I wish to speak on a subject near and dear to my heart, and that, my friends, is the subject of decorum. Now, decorum, as defined by the venerable Webster's Dictionary, is suitability of behavior or conduct. Straightforward enough, I should think, and if said definition should be employed anywhere, it is to one's behavior in Sunday church. Now, you'd imagine the majority of good Christian flock would describe this actuality. Certainly, I thought so, but... This past Sunday, your old farmer Gray, he learned the antipodal was true, at least at the First Baptist Church of Truvaux, Mississippi. You see, the Reverend Wally had just finished his homily, a right fine one, in fact, on the subject of does Jesus hear Jewish prayers? Turns out, no, but that's a subject for another time. Now, Having concluded, the minister asked if anyone in the pews wished to testify to their salvation. So right away, up stands May Coleman, a righteous young woman married to Lee Coleman, who manages the auto parts store off 315. And she says, no, she's not risen to testify, but she does have a request for prayers. Seems she'd been to the doctor in Senatobia and had one of those biopsies of her. Well, sir, she used the word, and be forewarned, I'm about to use it too, but only in the interests of journalistic accuracy. She said she had a biopsy of her breast, and she was asking for prayers that the results would be safely benign. Now, There was a big to-do of sympathy for our May, and understandably so. There were calls for prayer and the healing powers of chicken casseroles and so on and so forth, and I listened and nodded in accordance with the nurturing will of the congregation. But after a few minutes of such carryings on, I, I felt compelled compelled to also stand and speak with good intent. And what I said was, May Coleman, you have my full commiseration regarding your potential ailment and the trepidation it engenders. As a servant of Jesus, surely he will see you through this discomforting interval in your otherwise sanguine days. But Sister May, I... I must point out, and I say this with all amity, that, well, there is one thing that is not ladylike. I mean to say, it is not maidenly for a woman to discuss her mammarian status. Not in public, not in church, and certainly not in mixed company. I would ask, therefore, that in future you leave it to your good husband, Lee, to address the subject uh, to this congregation, for that is a man's place. 
Well, when I'd said my piece, all was quiet, like a snow-swept field on Christmas Eve. The better I surmised to process the wisdom of a farmer's words, and right proud I was of that still air, that soundless flock, for as the flyers at the old health services post used to say, silence is a scent. Never paid mind to them then, but I did so now as their truth resounded through the whist. But then, and all of a sudden, a murmur commenced, a susurration of ladies' voices, see, and, and the murmur turned to a buzz, and the buzz to a clamor, and the clamor to a clatter. Oh my, such a clatter, I, I rose from my pew to see what was the matter. I'll tell you what the matter was, too, for twas the missus and ma'ams of First Baptist Church a-hootin' and a-hollering at faithful old Gray. That's right, yours truly, and in such tones as you'd thought I'd told em the outlet store was empty of powders and rouge. That was the extreme level of upset pumping through our women, like blood through a pulsing hypertensive artery. Seems my attempt to school the gals in decorous behavior ignited a derisive series of reposts from our distaff congregation. I did, in fact, bear some very harsh brickbats. My husband better not talk about my, you know, shouts Nellie Rastig, though... She said the word, and not, you know, like I just said, and nobody speaks of my, you know, but me, yells Holly Wentworth, and again, instead of, you know, think of a four-letter word beginning with B, ending with B, and with a double letter comes the middle. Oh, and finish with an S, cause there's two of them. For her part, May Coleman just sat silent, heads down, arms folded across her upper body, embarrassed, no doubt, at the intemperate behavior of her gender compatriots, least if the shaking of her head and quiet sobs were any clue. When it all reached a fever pitch, I said, "'Ladies, I said, ladies, calm yourselves.' For every man knows the best way to diffuse feminine vexation is to demand placidity. This time, though, it just seemed to toss fuel on the fire. So minutes passed in this cacophony, and long ones, too, but a moment arrived when I thought I'd finally gained respite from female grievance. The moment Myrtle Rose Baylor stood and shouted, Time's up! which I took to mean that the service was over and it was time to repair to the pancake house on Mississippi 3. I agree, Myrtle, says I, and the maple syrup's on me. But it was an ill-timed asseveration, for it turns out Myrtle's profession betokened not heaps of fried batter, but an abuse of male power. The upshot of this Sunday morning misadventure that was realized hours later when the reverend called my home. I can't say, says the good pastor, that I disagree with your thesis, but, oh, Brother Gray, times being what they are, might I suggest privately that you attend Zare County Baptist just for the next few weeks till tempers cool a mite. 
and it's only fifteen miles away. Discretion being the better part of valor, I acquiesced. God will hear me in Zare County, just as he would anywhere. Geography is no boundary to Jesus, whether it be fifteen miles or fifteen thousand miles. I only hope that when the ladies of Zare County importune the Lord, they show more decorum, there's that word again, than do those of Truveau. Today, I would like to address the subject of television programs, specifically those aimed at children. Now, I personally am not fond of television, but my young friend Hank, husband to Margie and father to five-year-old Ambrosia, he bears no such antipathy, and he permits his child free reign in front of that screen, setting her loose like a fawn in the wood to gamble through a forest of channels. For Hank was not afraid that little Ambrosia would become lost in the trees. She mostly watches the Disney Channel, he says to me, and what could be more wholesome and American than Walt Disney himself? Well, a few days ago, young Hank called me on the telephone, and let me tell you, he was in a state. Farmer Gray, says he, I just saw what my darling girl has been watching, and now I am tied in a knot. What's the matter, says I? Has she strayed to some dark digital corner like CNN? No, replies Hank. She is still in Disney's thrall, and therein lies the misfortune. For in creating this channel, they've engendered no benign corporate progeny, but a virtual Frankenstein. You must drive over and see for yourself. Well, I didn't cotton to the idea of taking valuable time from the plow to watch children's programming, but poor Hank was so distraught that I finally relented and agreed to come over. When I arrived, Hank's anxiety was unameliorated. Farmer Gray, said he, thank the Lord you're here. And he practically pulled me to the couch in front of his 48-inch flat screen. Then he pressed the channel changer and said, Abide and observe. What shall I observe, says I, as the smiling face of Mickey Mouse dawned like a benevolent sun? The whole vast panoply, says he. And so, at Hank's behest, I began to watch. Oh, dear, says I, halfway through the first show. And then, oh, dear, again, during the second show, and... The third one, and on and on, as the night's entertainments unfolded. See what I mean, says Hank, several hours later, when he had switched off the television. I told him I did see, but that I did not know what remedy I might offer. Telephone them, says he. Telephone the Disney Channel and set them straight. I asked friend Hank why he himself did not make the call, since it was his youngster who consumed the programming. But he said, no, that wouldn't do. I'm just a septic contractor, says he. 
But you, you're a farmer and a man of substance in this town. There is no one far and wide who would not auscultate to such a prominent John Q. Well, sir, I couldn't argue with the logic, for a man of the plow is fit to speak with kings and commoners alike. So I told Hank I would call those Disney folks, and that I would do it the very next day. And that, dear listeners, is exactly what I did. I phoned our provider, Southern Plains Cable and Wireless, retrieving from them the telephone number in question, a number all the way in California, wouldn't you know? But I was undeterred by distance or cost, for I had made Hank a solemn promise, and a farmer's word is his bond, never to be riven. So I called, and I spoke to a nice lady who forwarded me to a nice man, who, after I had given him the gist of my mission, forwarded me to a department called Standards and Practices, where another young miss picked up. I told her politely that my business was not with her, a secretary, but with her boss, an executive man, and asked kindly if she could put him on the line. The gal replied that she was an executive and perfectly capable of responding to my concerns. Well, thinks I, that's California, I guess. And I began to air my grievance to Miss Lady High Muckety Muck. You see, says I, I was watching your Disney Channel on my friend Hank's television set last night, and I saw evidence of what I might call questionable judgment on your part. Your attitudes towards racial integrity are what I would politely term liberal. There was one show about a family of Puerto Rican extraction, and another with friends of Chinese and south-of-the-border roots, and still another where young people of all shades, white to black to brown, were calling each other brother and sister. Yet another show had a little Chinese girl born out of wedlock, and a boy who'd set his cap for another lad, something for which I was wholly unprepared. Finally, there was a show where a white mama was marrying a black African-American daddy, and, well, nobody said boo about it. That drama was called Freaky Friday, and I can guess what made that Friday so gall-darned freaky, I'll tell you what. So the lady answers me. She says, Sir, the Disney Channel prides itself on its inclusivity. It's inclusivity, she says. We aim to be inclusive of all children, regardless of race or orientation. Oh, replies I. Well then, if you're being so gosh-darned inclusive, what are, where are the shows for prejudiced children? She said, what? I said, the prejudiced children. Surely there are white supremacists and alt-right tykes out there who would enjoy some nice entertainment as well. It wouldn't be so hard. You could have a show called Like Likes Like or Blue-Eyed Billy the All-American Boy or even one entitled As God Intended, a half-hour comedy about a youngster who disappoints the homosexual cabal by falling for a girl. 
and that's just off the top of my head. I'm sure you could think up even better ideas than me, a simple man of the plow. Well, sir, she responded to my suggestions at length, and from what I could gather, betwixt all her sputtering and mouth sounds, she did not care for them, did not care for them one bit. In fact, unless I am very much mistaken, the word cracker came up and not in reference to that manufactured by Nabisco. When I attempted to reply, I found myself speaking to a dial tone. So I called Hank to tell him the news, that Walt Disney was content to leave his tot foundering on a sea of West Coast liberalism. He thanked me for my trouble, and said that perhaps he would confine Ambrosia's viewing to the military channel. I wished him well with that, and hanging up the phone, thought to myself how, good Lord, I missed the days of little Miss Snow White. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke. (laughs) 